Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast by a couple of cake boys. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Micah Silver, and I use they, them pronouns. This week, we are watching one of the most seminal teen movies of all time, The Wonderful Clueless. The amazing, incomparable Clueless. I don't know how you could possibly have not seen Clueless. I've seen Clueless, Uh, so (laughs) I've lived under a rock for most of my childhood. Yeah, Micah is the low bar for movies to have been seen. So I don't know how you could possibly not have seen it, but in case, I'm going to give you the barest possible plot summary. Our protagonist, Cher Horowitz, is a popular girl at her Beverly Hills High School. When new girl Ty, played by Brittany Murphy, shows up, Cher takes her under her wing and tries to sort of create her in her own image, and it ends up biting her in the ass. Then she falls in love with gay man. We get the best ever euphemism for gay boys. And yeah, she falls in love with her brother at the end. That's yeah, all. That's that sums it up. About follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Subscribe to our Patreon, please. <laughs> please. Half of us are out of a job currently again, so it would be very helpful. You can find us at patreon.com slash anthro267. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you supporting us so far. Yeah. Alright, y'all. Enjoy. When you were in school, did you ever decorate your locker? No, I didn't really. Yeah, no, because I, until very recently, was like a, I was like a not using your stickers kid. Like, uh-huh. I, I, I was Absolutely. like, I can't, I have to save them. They have to be in the perfect. Did not know that I was autistic until very recently. <laughs> <laughs> but yet, yeah, I was like, no, everything, I had to be the way it was i didn't really decorate my locker why did you did you have like a whole thing happening in your locker oh boy so i wonder if this is a a gender divide thing. it could be a gender divide thing so i am the perfect age to fall perfectly in that sweet sweet spot of internet weirdness of Mm -hmm. the super hulak veins of tumblr you were on tumblr in high school i was on tumblr in high school borf Okay, cool, 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 cool. Give me, cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Five years is a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Five years makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, it really does. (laughs) Especially at that age. Yeah. It's like now as adults, I pretty much don't notice our age difference until we talk about like high school and then it's like, oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) That was a big difference when we were in high school. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so... I was one of those obnoxious Tumblr girls who was, like, super into fandom, super, again, didn't know I was neurodivergent. Um, (laughs) But me and my best friend who kind of pulled me into that whole world shared a locker. Whoa, was that a thing? People shared lockers in your high school? It was a thing. We shared lockers and didn't think of it as weird, but now I see it as weird. Yeah. But our locker was plastered with photos of celebrities and, like, different weird shit we just like made a whole like collage on the inside of our locker see i feel like i kind of feel like if i had shared a locker with someone there might have almost been more incentive right to decorate it because my thought was always like i'm the only one who sees it and i don't care right like i'm 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 the only one looking at it i don't have to prove my identity or whatever in my locker and also like you gotta remember all the shit that I was into in high school was not the kind of stuff that you could like put easily put up in your locker and not say be stuffed in that same locker. <laughs> you know, if you put your Dungeons and Dragons poster up in your locker in uh, your high school, um, you're, you're 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 liable to get your ass kicked. Just a little, <laughs> especially in the like hick town that I'm from, yeah. where like. Kids got their ass kicked for just, like, looking too effeminate or whatever. Like, yeah. mouthing off too much. So, yeah. Bullet dodged there, I say. Yeah. <laughs> In my locker, I had photos of celebrities, but, like, never someone I knew. Yeah. That would seem creepy. Right? It does seem creepy, right? Because... In this movie, Alton take gets that picture of Ty and mm-hmm. hangs it up in his locker. Yeah. And that seems weird to me. Super weird. Yeah. Seems super sketch. Yeah, that's some real stalker behavior. Yeah. 
it's even creepier when he clarifies that it's because Cher took it and not... Yeah. Like, that's not... Very weird. It's very weird. Elton as a character, I want to grind into a pulp. Yeah, he's kind of like the worst thing about all men in these kind of movies. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of terrible. Which I think Amy Heckerling probably did on purpose. Like... Totally. You know, like, I feel like he's... Well, I mean, okay, so this, yeah, this whole movie's kind of like a send-up of, like, cool high schoolers. Right. And, yeah, because, like, Amy Heckerling was fucking exhausted of making teen movies by this point. Because, you know, between when we last met her and now, that's basically the only thing... Right. ...that she's done, other than, you know, a couple of talking baby movies. Oh, Uh, talking babies. (laughs) I don't know what I we're gonna I'm gonna make you watch those Please at don't. some point. They just terrify because me. I am so curious as to what happened there and I need your help to dissect it. Fine. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it as like a fundraiser thing. Yeah, we, that might be a, a paid-only thing, or or maybe we'll do it as a Patreon goal when we, we get to a certain amount. <gasps> maybe that's what we'll do. Y'all, if you really want to torture Micah. Fuck. <laughs> donate to our... Subscribe to our Patreon. And when we get to, you know, 50 bucks a month or whatever, then we'll do... I'll make... <laughs> I'll make us do uh, Look Who's Talking Now. But she, she directed and wrote those first two movies. Which is why I'm like, Amy. Amy, what? What, what? happened? Or was this? I yeah, honey, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, what? You were so desperate to make a movie that wasn't about teenagers that you were like, what about babies? <laughs> babies are as far from teenagers as I could possibly be. Oh, boy. And then she went the other way with, I'm never going to be your girl. Never. Yeah, I'm never going to be your woman. Woman. Where it's like about a 40-year-old divorced woman. Right. Well, yeah, I think after Clueless, after Clueless, she kind of gets away from the teen thing. Yeah. Almost entirely. But what a fucking send-off. This movie is... it's, It's so good. It's so funny that, like, she has made two of the most quintessential teen movies of all time absolutely truly amazing this is like kind of why she had to go first absolutely and i think like oh this movie's so good and it's such a good send-up it's interesting because like you can watch this movie and for like 60 minutes of it you can like really like and identify with share and then all of a sudden, and then you can kind of go through the journey with her of being like, oh, right, she doesn't know anything. And, like, she doesn't really try to know anything right. or expand her universe in any way. And, yeah, I think that is just, like, a testament to yeah. the amazing directing of this movie. Yeah, like, every time I watch this movie, I hate Cher more. Right. And I think that's, like, such an interesting and such a creative way to write a main character because you, like you said, you can really like identify with her and she like is a very much a leading lady and like has the whole magical, like aloofness that you can have as a rich teenager. Right. But she's just such an elitist piece of shit. Right. Like her whole attitude toward Ty and like, turning her into something she's not and like because Ty would have been great with the burnouts and maybe you would have made new friends right exactly and instead you're pretending to be someone you're not yeah yeah and Brittany Murphy is like we gotta talk about the actors because like Brittany Murphy in this like carries this movie on her back she's so cute she's so cute and she's so charming every moment of this movie that she's in like you can't take your eyes off. No, so she good. fucking steals every scene she's in and I like from a creative standpoint, I really think it's a really cool twist on it because you like through the movie Ty is pulling more and more attention from Cher and to have Brittany Murphy like keep stealing scene after and after really like yeah. brings that whole point to a totally. head and is really such a great way to like use your actors totally yeah it's funny i didn't even think about that but yeah it's like when you meet Cher 
And, like, Alicia Silverstone is an amazing actress. Oh, incredible. Like, she really, the whole movie kind of orbits around her and Dion. And then Brittany Murphy shows up, and it's like a rogue planet. And it, like, throws off the gravity of the whole movie because she's so good that she's, like, pulling other planets apart. My analogies are fucking off today. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, she kind of shifts the balance of the whole movie just by, like showing up on screen because she's so so charming and like i think in worse hands like you could cast a more charismatic actor as Cher, and like if you flopped these it totally wouldn't work no because then the whole thing with ty would feel like a betrayal and not like you know justice like it is in the movie yeah absolutely pulling off your weird planetary metaphor I think this whole movie kind of has the feeling of an expanding solar system because, like you said, it's so focused on Dion and Cher in the beginning. And as the movie goes on, you get pulled in more and more characters that stick around and are, right. like, part of... Because you've got, like, Christian comes into the scene and, like, joins the whole the crew. The whole crew, yeah. And also Travis, like, is in and out constantly being pulled in by Brittany Murphy. Right. And, you know, I think it really illustrates high school socialization in a really interesting way. Yeah. And, like, really... Has a really natural feel of like how you can have your main bubble, but there are people always in and out, in and right, out because right. your circles are expanding and you're learning right. to go and do your own thing. And I think like this, this is one of the few high school movies that I'm like, yeah, I, this is high school. Right. This is like it's a different high school, but it's recognizable as high school. Because yeah, you're right. Like in worse high school movies, the cliques are like super rigid. Like there's not to talk mean shit girls about is- Mean Girls, but Mean Girls does this. Where the, like, cliques are, like, total hard boundaries and no one crosses in between. And that's just not how high school not at is. All. Like, plenty of people go back and forth. There were plenty of, like, jocks who were also in marching band who were plenty cool even though they were in marching band. Oh, absolutely. And it, it just, like, people go back and forth and people orbit. And you're right. It, like... One season, you're hanging out with the theater kids because you're in theater. And then in the fall, you're hanging out with the football kids because you do football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because social groups were so rigid in movies, I had a bunch of fear going into high school from middle school of like, what if I don't make the right friends? What if, you know, I I sit at the wrong lunch table. Right. And it's just like turn, it just snowballed. And it's really interesting and really refreshing to see something more natural and like more fluid as you see in real life. Totally. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to kind of like hold things to the clueless standard. Right. From here on in of like, does this feel like a real school experience like uh, we're watching as told by ginger on the off weeks right now and i feel like that is a perfect encapsulation of middle school in the same way that like this the clueless is kind of a perfect version of high school yeah absolutely we got to talk about the teaching i love mr hall oh so while sean Used to actually be a teacher. Did he really? So that's why his teaching is so good in this movie. Anyway, go on. It's really good. It's fantastic. Like, especially when you're comparing it to Mr. Hand in Fast Times. Right. Like, you have... It's so hard not to compare. Right. You have this teacher who validates his students' emotions, who is meeting his kids where they're at, and like letting them be themselves like when travis is awarded all of the tardies right. and letting him make the speech makes and, that whole speech and like not getting in trouble for it and just like letting him participate in the class where he can right right is incredible well yeah because i mean like you're teaching a speech class like no reason to stop that kid doing the thing he's in this class to do even if it's not your lesson plan right and then like, again we have doing it Early in the movie when Travis responds to Cher's first, there's no RSVP on the Statue of Liberty speech, and, like, changes the subject and is, like, comparing his music to his mom's music and, like, really, like, making a point and connecting it. Mr. Hall doesn't, like, shut him down and, like, stop him from going down that alley and embraces that way. Yeah, he doesn't say, like, oh, that's not what we're talking about. He's like... 
good synthesis, like, not what we're talking about, but, like, good lesson, like, yeah. a good thing to take away from this. Like, yeah, the teaching is so good. And, I, yeah, I feel like teachers should watch this. It's like right. an object lesson. It's right. so, it's so uh, good. It's just so good. And, it, like, to have a male teacher who's, like, such a good, empathetic teacher right. is so heartwarming because so many times they're just the hard ass and yeah. it's just not it's just not good yeah it's we need fewer mr hands and more mr halls yes <laughs> absolutely since we're talking about teaching there's a there's a little shout out to african-american vernacular english there is in this this movie there's a little there's a little speech about like the the validity of like using woman as a directive like in aav specifically I don't have anything more to say about it except that, like, we should be defending Black English more vigorously because it's, like, a valid dialect and, like, a separate language. Absolutely. And, like, it's really interesting to compare to movies today. Like, if you stopped down and did, like, something like that in a movie today, you would never hear the end of it. Yeah. Like, because white people would get all offended and right. would, They'd like... Be like, this is your critical race theory right indoctrination it's like no we're just literally acknowledging the truth right and i think i really appreciated that she embraced having characters of color and like made sure that they stood on their own as good representation for their community and i really appreciated that and think that more directors should take note on that totally because like even in Fast Times, there's one black character, and he's in 10 minutes of the movie, and he's just a football player. Yeah. And this movie has, like, a half dozen black people just around, and, like, most of those are in the main cast. It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. I, like, unlike 10 Things I Hate About You, this felt like an actual high school with its diversity as right, well. Like, it's right. not just all white all the time. Yeah, yeah. Talking about white privilege, Cher's inability to drive and get away with it. Oh my god! Like, who cares about traffic laws if you're white? Like, right? If you, I mean, again, like that's the problem with with fines being the the penalty for doing a crime is that if you're rich, crimes don't matter. You can commit all the fucking crimes you want, so you can just keep throwing money at all your fucking crimes. Yeah. Her whole attitude towards driving is one of the biggest reasons I hate her. Like, yeah. it's like one of the first things that pulls me away from totally. her liking her. Because, like, I know it's supposed to, like, illustrate how careless and she moves through the world. And, like, it is a really great way to do that. But, like, especially in today's climate of, like, knowing how dangerous traffic stops can be for other people. Right, right. It just feels really, it just feels really weird to, like, see her do it so carelessly. Totally. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think about that the first time. But, yeah, it's definitely, like... That's such a white privilege thing to be able to do to ignore traffic laws and just be like, oh, yeah, if I get pulled over, I'll just talk my way out of it because I'm a pretty white lady. And right. that's just what we do. Uh, whereas, like, you know, if Cher is black or brown, like, she better not fucking run that stop sign. Right. Because the cop might just pull her over and might just shoot her for funsies because he feels feels very scared. He's so scared. He's a big man with his armor and his big car and his gun. He feels so scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just nice to see like more takedowns of privileged people yes. and and white people and yeah, I just we we love to see a rich person humbled like yeah. Yeah, I absolutely adored watching this Elias blonde girl get her life ruined. <laughs> like yeah. I'm, the Schadenfreude of it all is Oh, it fills me with so much joy. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And, like, especially with, like, the way money is thrown around in this movie is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Like, when Josh and Cher pick up takeout for her dad and his coworkers. Like, that is a $200 order you just picked up. Hundreds of dollars worth of takeout, and they're just like, tra-la-la-la-la. Like, I, I couldn't pay rent next month if I bought that much takeout. No. Yeah, like, that is half my paycheck. Right, yeah. Having her stand out in the high school as being kind of 
an elitist throughout the school and her being othered by her elitism uh, is really refreshing totally. to like see that contrast of like she's not in a rich private school surrounded by other rich people right but she's like actually emerged in an actual community right and to have her not know things to have her struggle and to have her have culture clashes because she just doesn't understand the culture around her right. is so refreshing and as an ex bourgeois as a as a former member of the bourgeoisie yes thank you you know it happens it really does and it's yeah. having an example to point to and having more examples of how you can do that and still be okay and you can face that up will make it easier for more and more people to actually become class traders. It's funny how privilege can insulate you in that way. Oh my God. Which like is one of the most toxic things about it. Right. Is that like your privilege prevents you, like it shields you from seeing other people's lack of privilege because that would, you know, that would invalidate the whole thing. Like, part of having privilege is not having to see unhoused people living outside your building. It's the privilege of, you know, being able to drive yourself to work and not see how crappy the trains and the buses are. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. It makes it harder to see that there are problems, problems. at all. Yeah, the lack of interactions with your community as you are pulled in, like, closer and closer into these circles. Right. And, like... Right, because the... Eth- as you get, uh, you know, further into the upper class, like, the, the fewer and fewer people who are even able to compete to play the same game that you're playing. So you ne- you necessarily make your world smaller and smaller and smaller. Whereas, like, you know, if you're a poor working person, like, everybody's, like, there are poor working people from every community and every part of the world and every, like, you right. know, demographic. We should talk about the dad in this movie yeah we should because he's awful awful like all dads in all movies i don't understand like i mean i guess i do understand because like we can't ever like hold men to any kind of standard god forbid right so that means they're allowed to just like trample over and abuse their children or neglect their children as they see fit willy-nilly because that's basically the only two things that this dad does in this movie. Like, he either neglects his kid or... Enables know, her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or enables her stupid bullshit. Yeah. Like, her negotiating her grades pissed me the fuck off. Oh, yeah. And to have him be proud of that was just like, you are literally encouraging your child to cheat the system of that is created to make people equal right and cheat a system that is already designed to help rich white kids like yep. you right like you know it would be one thing if share was again if share is black or brown like and she's arguing her grades first of all she's probably justified she probably got bad grades for fucking racist reasons absolutely and you know like then we can actually root for her yeah but like when you're because they, those people are just trying to work inside of a broken system. Right. Whereas Cher is just, like, further breaking a system that is already designed for her benefit. And, like, I got we both got so mad about this because, like, I'm such a defender of rubrics for grading because it prevent like it doesn't prevent, but it removes a lot of the potential for bias because... You know, inevitably, if you're grading someone and you like this person's essay and maybe you like this person more because they happen to be the same race as you, like, of course, you're going to give them a better grade. You can't help it. Your brain is just going to read their essay better than someone else's. Right. You're always going to grade nicer to the kids you like than the kids you don't like. Right. But like, that's why you need a rubric is so that when a kid like this comes back and says, well, I think I deserve to be it's like. Well, I can show you on the rubric the points that you didn't get to get a B. If you want to fix that stuff, then maybe we can talk about that and I can bring your grade up. But, like, I can show you the points I took off for the stuff you didn't do. Yeah. So just do all the stuff. And as a student, to have the outline of a rubric to build your essay or your assignment on is so much more helpful than just, like, an open-ended question. Right. Because for some... Again, this is our neurodivergence talking. Right. Like, open-ended questions are very difficult. Right. They are debilitating a lot of the time. And to have the rules and to know 
what is expected of you, especially when it came to schoolwork. Yeah. Is so much better. So much better and so helpful. Like, if I could have a syllabus for every social event that I go to, it would be incredible. That would be amazing. Yeah, you know how, like, when you go to a wedding or sometimes at a funeral, they'll hand out, like, a program? Oh, yes. Where it's like, this is how long the ceremony is. There's going to be a break before the reception. It's like, fuck yeah. I need that for every party I go to. I need somebody to hand me a thing. Or, like, when I get the invite, it just says, like, okay, so... The party says start this time. People aren't actually going to start showing up until this time. And then there's going to be food around this time. And then people should expect to all have gone home by this time. Like, I need, I want that so badly. More uh, front-loading expectations, please. Yeah. Just, it helps. It helps a lot. I think neurotypical people truly don't understand how much uncertainty they have built into the world because they don't notice it yeah and let me tell you neurotypical people it makes the rest of us fucking crazy because i don't know what i'm doing any of the time right oh talking about uncertainty and freaking neurotypicals being very confusing is it normal for people to lie about who they are to date like is that a thing that happens because like this whole subplot with Brittany Murphy of literally changing everything you are. Yeah. Just like, it's in all of the movies. Yeah, right? It happens in teen movies all the time. It's, she's all that. Yeah. It's whatever, whatever. It's a million different things. It's fucking 10 things I hate about you. Right. You know, and just like, I don't understand why you want to trick someone into liking you. Right, because it can only last so long. Right. Like, if they don't like you for who you are, they're going to figure out who you are at some point, right? Like, you can't keep lying to them. Like, are you going to pretend to be cool your entire life? That's you're going to get married to Elton and stay this different person your entire life to, like, keep up this facade? That's insane. But again, we're neurodivergent. We don't understand why the deception i don't understand it at all and it's like it's always been like romantic comedies and teen movies of like it's always trickery it's always like let's play this game of making you think one thing like when Cher is trying to make herself look more desirable to christian by like sending herself flowers and sending herself chocolate and playing all these like why why? What? Why not just talk to them and right. be like, "Hey, I think you're cute," or because, like, like again, get to know them as a if person. If she had done any of that, she would have gotten to the heart of the issue way earlier, which is that Christian is a big old cake boy and he's not interested. By the way, cake, cake boy, boy. I did. I don't think I remembered cake boy. It has not stood the test of time, cake boy. But I love it, and I'm stealing. I'm keeping it. I'm gonna definitely start identifying as a cake boy. <laughs> is that going on your Tinder profile? Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Christian. Uh, I, I love Christian. I, I mean, love him so much. This is, again, another one of these characters who's obsessed with, like, you know, the, like, mid-century lounge act, like, the Rat Pack, etc. I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, as, as a person who was formerly a teenager who listened to a lot of Frank Sinatra, I also don't get it. Music's great. I will, I will well, yeah, back the, your the music. The music is great. Like, uh, I, that's the part I stand behind. It's the whole, like, co- like Vegas 1950s club in the 50s. cosplay. Yeah. yeah. I uh, understand. Once again, in Christian, we have this illustration of how sexy effort is. Right, right. And, like, why is it so hard to get across to people? Like, right. why? And men in particular. Like, like, it's okay to put effort into yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to spend some time on your hair so it looks good. Like, you are allowed to be vain and you yeah. are allowed to take pride in your appearance. Yeah, it doesn't take anything away from your masculine identity to care for yourself. Like, even if your whole. If, even if you subscribe to, like, masculine identity at all, like, keeping your, you know, like, caring about your physical form can certainly be part of it. Like, in any construction of masculinity, like, even if it's for, like, health reasons, like, right. is a perfectly valid thing to... I just think men aren't okay. Like uh, Men that's, are definitely not okay. That's just what I'm concerned about. Every time we watch one of these movies, I'm like, someone please check in on men. Things are not going well over there. 
No, they're not. And they haven't been for a long time. And it is one of those things that if we want anything to change, we need to start making sure that they are okay. It came up because Cher has this thing about not dating high school boys. Which is gross. Yes, high schoolers, please don't date adult men. Adult men. Don't date high schoolers. Don't be gross. But I remember this thing from my high school. And I remember because the boys in high school are fucking awful. They're terrible. They're terrible and they're fucking children. And no one holds them accountable for being 12-year-old children because they're boys and boys will be boys. As a former teenager who didn't date high school boys, like, they are... I can name one person who was a decent human being as a teenage boy. Yeah. Like, it is, it's so gross and irresponsible of how we do not hold boys, especially teenage boys, accountable for anything. For anything. And it's so gross because it obviously shows, like, it's not as if, it's not as if it's not having an effect. No. Right? Like, obviously, if there are generations of teenage girls who are going out of their way to date adult men... Because men are so stunted in growth. Like, it's not because girls mature faster. It's not because we're special in some way. It's because people actually hold us accountable for our actions. Yeah. It's because when we say something stupid or do something or sometimes say something not stupid, a man will yell at us about it. Girls don't mature faster. They're socialized faster. Right. We are held accountable for how we move through society. And we write boys hall passes on that until they're 20 fucking five. Yeah. And even then, and it's just like... Like, think about... This is kind of a specific example. But, like, think about the first time you, as a feminine kid, had to be concerned about being attacked by a strange man in public. Or being catcalled by a strange man in public. Right? Like... When was the first time, you don't have to actually answer this question, this could be a rhetorical question, but like, when was the first time you, you know, were in a poorly lit parking lot and you were afraid you were going to get raped and you put your keys between your fingers? Because for, I mean, for me, it's recently, right? Like I, I did, I never had that experience. And for you, it's, I'm sure way too fucking young. Yeah. Because like young girls have to be concerned about their safety because young men are never taught to be aware of their safety or the safety of people around them. Yeah. That was one of the weirdest and hardest learning curves of transitioning. Yeah. Of like learning how to soften myself and make myself move through the world. Cause like I'm, I'm like, I've always moved through it in a way that's very defensive and mm-hmm. very like very hard because that is how I've been able to survive. And yeah. that is how I got my voice heard. Totally. And learning to having to soften myself and be aware of how much more impact my actions and words can have because I'm more masculine passing now. Yeah. It, the learning curve was gigantic. And yeah. it was something that is also not talked about in our community, totally. which I think trans guys, we need to we need to have a talk about our own masculinity because it is just as toxic. Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk to trans men about toxic masculinity and, and fucking mansplaining. And just because... <sighs> You don't have a penis doesn't mean that you are not a dick. (laughs) You're still a man. Sorry. (laughs) That shit just made me so mad because like this keeps coming up and it's going to keep coming up. This like, oh, well, you can't, you know, high school boys, they're fucking baby toddler, they're baby toddler children. And it's like, yeah, man, because nobody has held them accountable for anything since they were baby toddler children. Yeah. So why would they mature past that? Why would they bother? You know what could help with that? If we taught actual social emotional learning and like taught kids how to process emotions. Yeah. Then... Hire Micah to help you help your kids sort through their emotions. <laughs> Hi, my job is teaching emotional <laughs> regulation. Please hire me. <laughs> Talking about men though and examples of how masculinity can be done in a more positive light. Mm-hmm. We should talk about the Josh of it all. Paul oh, Rudd. Josh, Paul Rudd, yeah. First of all, I just gotta say that it is so nice. To see Paul Rudd before his thing became, like, a shtick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when you see Paul Rudd in a thing now, you're like, oh, I get it. He's going to be Paul Rudding around. But in this movie, he's not Paul Rudding around at all. No. And it's fucking great to just see him, like, being an actor. Yeah. He's great in this movie. I, I, I would have a huge crush on Josh. Yeah, how could you not? Like... 
he's... I mean, the shitty goatee aside. Yeah, shitty goatee aside and definitely has some classism to work out. Yeah. But, you know, like, he seems to know what he's talking about. He seems to care about the world around him. Yeah. He seems to genuinely care about people. Like, dropping everything to go pick up your stepsister. Yeah, ex-stepsister. Because she's stranded like that's a huge thing to do for yeah, a sibling i could barely convince my actual blood sibling to do right? that for me. <laughs> the only complaint i have about josh the only complaint i have about him is he doesn't know how to make a goddamn sandwich oh my god it took me i've seen this movie a few times <laughs> i didn't notice it until my last viewing the way he makes a sandwich is fucking insane it is disrespectful <laughs> it's disrespectful first of all he takes one piece of bread and he cuts it in half first of all this is not we're a sandwich. starting off poorly <laughs> the things have already gone badly because we all know if you're gonna make half a sandwich you make it on one piece of bread and then you fold it so that you have fewer seams for sandwich stuff to come out come on people anyway and then he takes his one piece of white bread and he puts a single piece of meat on it and then he puts mayonnaise directly on the meat not on the bread, which is not effective. It's not even going on the meat. It's just like sliding, it's sliding around. around. And then just more bread. Just just a mayonnaise and meat sandwich? I am oh savage. So You're a savage. savage. Oh, it's so gross. Also, they definitely have a cook because oh, this is absolutely. definitely a commercial kitchen. They have uh, like a clear half hotel full of lunch meat. And I was like, um, excuse me, who opens all your deli bags and puts lunch meat into uh, half hotels? Oh, uh, right, chef. the staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Josh. Also, like, how sweet he is with Ty and, like, making sure that she's having fun at the dance, too. Right? Like, ugh. I know, what a sweetheart. Yeah, it's so, how could you not have it for Josh? He is in college, and he is... Going after a high school student. Yes, that is Who is his ex-step-sister? I can't get over that. I'm sorry. It's weird. It's still weird. Yeah. Even if you you weren't, like, raised around each other, it's it's still weird. I'm sorry. Yeah, still too close. If your parents have been married, you should not sleep together. It's like, yeah, no, that's, don't, it's not. It feels bad. It feels weird. I do think that a lot of these, like this movie and probably Fast Times 2, have maybe a simplistic view of gender politics and gender identity. Which is tricky. I mean, like, you know, 80s and the 90s, like, these things were... They were flatter, at least in the mainstream. Yeah. Because I don't feel like we get much of a spectrum of, like feminine presentations like except with ty but but like even even there we have her channeled into this specific like la girl kind of vibe right exactly and it feels very cookie cutter throughout a lot of the student body and like all of the plastic surgery you see on all of this on a bunch of this girls yeah and like and i mean i guess like it's a satire right. right yeah the amount of times that like they are talking about earning calories or burning calories Oof, yeah. or, you know, not uh, earning food is yeah. terrifying. Right. And like trying to force the, the father character to constantly be eating healthier, which basically just means like salads, three meals a day. And like I, pre- I know I preach this all the time, but like that's not a sustainable way to be healthier. No, it's like, not. The sustainable way to make your dad healthier is to give him healthier versions of the things he already likes. Right. Like, that's always how you sell somebody on, you know, a new diet plan. Is like, it's just like the stuff you like, except it's a little different because right. it's better for you, you know. Yeah. And the fact that this entire, I don't think I see a single fat person in this entire movie. No, uh-uh, which... there's not one. I've, I watched this because we had, because we got COVID, our schedule got thrown off a little bit. So yeah, I ended up watching this movie like three times and yeah, there's not a single fat person anywhere in this movie. Which is not rare. It's not an it uncommon sucks that thing. that it's not rare. Right? And like, as someone who grew up as a fat femme, not seeing yourself Ever, even as like, especially for fans, yeah, like even as background characters, like you don't see, like I never felt seen in a movie ever. The glorification of 
diet culture within our society, and especially during the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like, I came to age in the early 2000s when it was like, the goal was to be ridiculously thin. Yeah, the heroin chic, as we call it. Yeah, exactly. And it is something that I think is tied, unfortunately, really tightly to how you are feminine. This is how you do girlhood, is to be thin, thin, to be dressed well, to be changing yourself and your appearance to make other people appreciate you more and looking for validation from these children that you don't like. Right, right. Like... Yeah, all for, like, yeah, for points in a system that you don't actually care about. Right. And it's just, like... Yeah. It's so disgusting that especially teenagers aren't allowed to be fat or even anything but thin really on film yeah as a couple of kids who like are fat adults and were fat children like you know we exist we have always existed like i went to school with plenty of fat children oh absolutely i was not it was not a rarity to see us around campus yeah and it just like again the cookie cutter of it all like even though we have a more diverse cast than other movies it still feels very flat flat and doesn't feel like you would actually be able to exist in the world which is like if we're gonna continue to create movies like this where it is unrealistic and it is something that and are pushing standards that are not necessarily attainable in real life we need to be teaching media literacy a lot earlier and we need to be teaching kids that these are stories that these are false that these are not how it's gonna happen because because like plenty of people don't get that message and like you can pretend that media doesn't affect people's you know view of themselves but you would be lying like oh absolutely you would be full of shit like i mean we know from instagram's data that like even just looking at photos of people that are doctored or who are more attractive than you all day makes you feel like shit yeah and like yeah only ever seeing like perfectly handsome perfectly thin perfectly well-dressed people on in movies like it makes kids who are not all that stuff feel like shit. And it, especially when you have 20-year-olds playing children. Right. Who have developed, who are, like, who have had time to fully cook. Right. Where in, when you're a teenager, you're, like, growing all the time. You smell. You have acne. Well, like, right, I'm going back through TNG. And, like, you know, that's a young Will Wheaton is, like, 16 yeah. on that show. And he's, like... Every bit the awkward teenager. He's got acne. He's got, like, his weird limb proportions. His voice is constantly changing. Like, that's what a teenager looks like. A teenager does not look like Alicia Silverstone. No. Uh, Jake Sisko, also in DS9, is really good about that. Yeah, like, he starts the show and he's, like, just, like, a baby preteen. And then, yeah, you see him get, like, all weird and he gets kind of limmy. And then towards the end of the show, like, he's a real adult man. Yeah, and versus, you know, how many fucking teen movies are 25-year-olds? Like, looking at Jennifer's body and how you have Megan Fox. Right. Who is gorgeous. But and, it's like 27 in that movie right. acting for 16. Or, you know, Easy A with Emma oh, with Stone, Stone, who's like, you know, 28 in that movie acting as 16. It's like, come on. Yeah. I we, mean, at least, like, it, it, it has been done. It can be done. Like, Freaks and Geeks. Yep is really good that movie is like actual teens or that show is like actual teens even fast times yeah like those kids are older but they're still closer Closer. to teens than there are plenty of talented teenagers out there who could act yeah i don't understand why i mean it's for like union reasons because you need to give kids more breaks and have tutors and all that stuff and so it's harder to make fucking money and all anybody cares about is the goddamn money but i think a really a really good modern day example of this because this is the new season of euphoria just dropped recently it is an hbo show about high schoolers that is like a zendaya stars in it apparently really good trans representation by the way but it is apparently i haven't watched it because all i've heard about it it is heavy and again you have 20 year olds 
playing for teenagers and going after situations you are normalizing that are necessarily not what everyone's gonna go through and you are kind of pulling on the like trauma porn of it all a lot of these shows also like push that whole rebellious phase and you should have a rebellious phase which you should you definitely push against power and always question your authorities but as someone who felt constantly watched and who felt like I couldn't escape oh, to be rebellious or like I was too scared to be rebellious. Same, yeah. I felt like I was missing my entire teenagehood because I wasn't doing all these cool things right. or that, you know, you see on TV, like I wasn't going to parties. I wasn't, but that's not everyone's experience. And that doesn't have to be the only experience that you show. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. We don't have too many how many kids just hang out in the art room all the time? Right, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, any kind of teen properties that don't basically take place primarily at, like, party, like, house parties. And, like, literally the only thing that's coming to mind is, like, Stranger Things. Cause yeah. Because they mostly play Dungeons & Dragons, but, like, those are kids. kids. They're not teenagers. Not teenagers. They're that fun middle school age. Which, right. Oof, middle school. Tune into our ginger episodes if you want to hear our thoughts on yeah. middle school. Yeah, this whole ginger run is really going to be foundational, I think, in our talking about middle school. Yeah. We talked about Christian a little, but we should talk about, like, gay stuff and gayness in this movie because yeah. it does feel like I know what we talked about Fast Times a couple weeks ago and we said, oh, well, even Clueless as a gay character. But now watching it, I'm like, yeah, but that's it. Yeah. Like, his one gay character, he has, like, he flirts with a bartender for one second, and that's his only romantic interest. He's the only gay character, and, of course, he's a white man. Maybe if we had more gay representation in media, Cher would have caught it a lot earlier. Exactly! Like, yeah. it just wasn't an option that she thought of. Right, because, exact, and that's exactly the problem, yes, is, like, when you don't depict gay people on screen, people don't even think of gay people as being an extant option, and so everyone just goes around assuming everyone's straight, and the same thing happens with whiteness, like, people just live in an all-white world, and they see an all-white world depicted in media, and they just assume that the whole world is white. But it's not. Not like, at all. The whole world isn't your experience. And yeah, the, there's like no gay shit in this movie. And I kind of feel bad that I defended it now a couple weeks I ago. I mean, it was, look, it was, it was a For big deal. For 1995, to have a gay character... Was huge. And to not have it be a deal. Like, nobody calls him the F-slur. Like, nobody makes a big deal out of it. He doesn't get in a fight about it. This is one of the few movies where a gay character is not traumatized. Right, right. Like, yeah, he just is he allowed is to exist. And it was huge, but it is also not enough. Yeah, it's definitely not. And, like, even for 95 you could do more you could do more yeah like there could have even like shit we know share to be a matchmaker there could have been even just a scene one 30 second scene of her being like hmm, christian would be good with so and so right. like that's all you need just give him the same respect as a gay character that you give all of your straight characters yeah that's all we're asking yeah Again, going back to being a fat person and not seeing yourself as a gay kid, right? not even existing as a thought in totally. the world is yeah. so fucking isolating. And and as a trans person, and too. Especially like, as a trans person. Oh, my yeah. God. When, like, did you even see a trans person depicted in the media before five years ago ever? No. My introduction to any kind of transness or gender fuckery was Angel and Rent. Yeah. Directed by Chris Columbus, who we are going to do. I think Rent might be on the list for this year. But yeah, like seeing how Clueless treats Christian versus watching a newer show like uh, Shadow and Bones that we watched over quarantine, where you have gay characters existing and no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. And it's every bit as passive and as normal as being straight. Which is like to see within our lifetime is incredible because like especially looking back at fast times and how homophobic it was and like how that thread was just under there constantly All the time, yeah. and to see how much our community has been able to push forward yeah and especially especially trans uh visibility yeah has been revolutionary yeah. for us and like and it's amazing that it's all of it has happened or so much of it has happened like 
in the last decade yeah. or 15 years at the most. But, like, even when I was in college, you know, 10 years ago, it was still, like, a totally fine thing to make fun of people for being gay. Yeah. And, like, I still didn't really have, like, a group of gay friends. No, I was the only one in my group. Yeah. I was the only one who was out. I was... Now I don't have any fucking straight friends. <laughs> Which, again, Ty has a great line of, I don't have... <laughs> I, I never, never had, had any straight, straight friends. friends. I think she might have meant straight as in straight, straight edge. edge. Like, they don't do drugs, but same, same. Right. <laughs> I've never had any of those either. <laughs> I was reminded recently of a message that I was given as a young lesbian for so long that I forgot was pushed on me for so long of having to prove how that I was gay and to, like, and, like, making sure that, like, how do you know if you haven't had sex and how that added an extra layer of pressure to have sex and then having, taking that message and seeing a movie where our main character is particular. She's pushing it back against the, her friends making fun of her for not having sex and she's like, I'm i'm picky and i'm going to stay picky yeah is huge it's a big deal yeah and like because usually in this kind of movie there's this pressure to like lose your virginity right the whole movie would like if this was directed by a man that would be a b plot line right you know and i think having more representation of femmes who know what they want and who are allowed to set boundaries around what they want is much needed yeah totally this is a thing that's on our syllabus that we don't maybe talk about much is there a piece of advice or an impression that a young person could get from this movie that you think a young person should get from this movie that is to say a positive message because so many of these movies that we watch can be kind of toxic a message i think you can get out of this movie and a reason why i think this movie has stood as a teen uh, movie for so long is that it really embraces be yourself and the rest will fall in line totally because like at the end you have this gorgeous apology between ty and share and you have share letting finally embracing ty for who she is as a person right and letting her fall in love with the boy that she actually seems to be interested in yeah. versus like shoveling her into the cookie cutter that she was expecting totally I also think this movie is, like, would tell you, like, hardcore to, like, broaden your horizons. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, I think this movie is a movie that is about, you know, taking the blinders off and really seeing the world around you without all the the bullshit and the filters and the, like, privilege and all that. Because, like, the only time any of our characters can grow or become anything is when they're aware of the world when they're you know in yeah. tune with the people around them so absolutely do you want to do a lightning round let's do a lightning uh, round and do like a little clearing house of our notes i want shares digital closet and i'm mad that we don't have it right i totally thought that the digital closet would have been a thing that existed by you know the the year of the, the year of our lord 2022 and i'm so mad that it doesn't because i feel like it would help me so much get dressed right that i'm going stand in so front of my closet and have the decision paralysis of just looking at everything in a big like stack oh my god it would solve and also to like see it on my body so i knew how it was gonna look and not have to try it on first oh my god it would save me yeah so, so much, much more time, time. yeah also, I don't know. This is a 90s classic. I love that white soft top Jeep. I still want to drive that like 95 white soft top Jeep. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's a classic. I know that's the that's the lesbian in me talking, but whatever. There's a read of this where Cher is gay through Ty. And the whole reason that she's mad that Ty keeps going after other people is because Cher has a big ass crush on her. Yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not really gay if you didn't disapprove of all the people that your best friend dated uh, until you realized it was because you were in love with them. Shut up! Don't call me out like that. <laughs> You've be enough to say. There are so many good lines in this movie that are just like like we divorce wives, not children, is like oh. such a good stance to have and so good. There's the would you call me selfish? 
No. Not to your face. Not to your face. <laughs> like, Beautiful. I love it. There's just so many great little standout lines. I just think it's cool that this movie fell into the like golden window of like when you could still use your cell phone in school. Oh, yeah. Because not everyone had them and people didn't really get because they didn't really do much. Right. Because like I remember when I was little, like not little, but like when I first started carrying a cell phone, nobody cared. You could use them all the time because like... They couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything, and they couldn't even really text. So, like, at best, you were playing fucking... Snake. Snake. (laughs) Oh, I... Uh, Which you could also do on your graphing calculator, so, you know, you don't need your fucking phone for that. I would always steal my mom's Nokia. To play Snake. Oh, that brick phone. That brick phone. I had one of those bricks for many a year, because they are indestructible. That is the phone that you need to give a 13-year-old child. Oh, absolutely. Because... That child could huck that brick phone into a trash compactor and still make phone calls <laughs> on it. People are not projects. Yeah. People you people are not there for you to manipulate like dolls. Yeah, I think, like, I understand. I was thinking about this throughout the whole movie. Like, uh, the manipulation, that's bad. I get that. But, like, even the whole matchmaking thing... I don't like feels it. ...feels unethical. Uh, it's, it's like, unless that person asked you to do this which they're your teacher so they absolutely oh, should not yeah. in the in the teacher situation definitely you should not like in the teacher situation that is like super duper practically a crime unethical uh yeah don't don't do that yeah, please don't minute... interfere in your teacher's social lives no. as far as you're concerned your teachers don't have social lives Our, your teachers live at school and that is all you need to know <laughs> yeah but yeah the whole like all of it like the way Cher treats people like they're dolls for her to play with and she can do whatever she wants to get her way from them is absolutely disgusting yeah it's gross we were talking earlier about this kind of and we talked about this in um fast times about how you like you identify with one of the you have to identify with one of these characters oh absolutely like big archetypes i'm travis in of this course movie. you are i'm travis birkenstock you are uh, absolutely travis. because i absolutely when he gets called out for having 38 tardies that's absolutely a thing I used to do in high school when teachers would call me out for some shit, usually not doing my homework. I never did homework. I would literally like take over the class. I was like, fine, call me out. I like the attention anyway. This is my time now. (laughs) (laughs) You just made the mistake of seating the floor to me. Of course you were that kid. Oh yeah. I once took over, like I once took over an entire math class and I don't mean an entire day of math class. I mean like an entire semester of a math class. Every day I was in there, we were doing bits and we were not learning math. You are a genius and also I am a fucking genius. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I'm kind of the nightmare. I was kind of the nightmare high school student that Mm -hmm. you have. Um, Yeah, as a teacher, I hate you. As a student, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I forgot about the era before GPS where the person in your passenger seat just like resigned themselves to holding a big fuck off map and getting you everywhere and telling you what fucking streets to turn on. Oh, I love it. Elton has this really weird flex of I don't have friends that are girls. Yeah. Which is like Elton's whole thing is bullshit and I want to That's s- a big red flag, that's my dude. That's a huge red flag. It's it's a red flag in the same way that like if you say you're not friends with any of your exes, like that means the problem is you, good sir. Yeah. Oh, I would just have a note in here that says it wouldn't be an 80s or a 90s movie if there wasn't an attempted rape. Oh, God. We have to use sexual assault as a plot device because it's dramatic. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, that's another runner because uh, with our bonus episode, that was also something. Yeah. Yeah. Tune into our Patreon if you want to hear us completely tear apart Chevy Chase. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know who says this. My notes are just the quote, but someone says at some point, don't you, I bet it's Cher, says, don't you know who my father is? Oh, Elton says it. Oh, yeah, it's Elton. And I think we could not lose anything as a society if 
every person who's ever said, don't you know who my father is, was struck from the earth. Like, just struck by lightning, evaporated, just Thanos snapped out of existence. I don't think we'd lose anything in society. I don't think we'd lose anything. I think we'd all get richer collectively. Every time I hear that phrase, I feel like I'm about to barf. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and we didn't talk about this when we talked about the dad, but we got to talk about the dad. Or we got to talk about this. Is this, like, responding to your daughter's romantic interests with violence or with like threats of violence how dare people treat my daughter like i treat women right that's exactly it it's like yes i know like heaven we can't hold men accountable men are just going to be ravenous monsters so we'll just threaten to kill each other constantly like again men are you are you not okay i think you're not okay Something tells me you're not okay. You know you're a real-ass person who's allowed to have, like, multiple types of feelings. Right. And you are that not just, just... rage and violence. violence. Yeah. yeah. That whole trope of let me threaten people because I don't want them to hurt my daughter and who is mine. Right, because I possess her vagina because vaginas are just tools for producing babies and I won't let you produce a baby with my baby factory. Exactly. Barf. Barf.